0: Welcome into another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. Yes, it is Froggy Wednesdays, and uh, real quick, let us uh, toot our own horn for a second uh, here on the Stripe Show podcast, brought to you by Encore Golf. We just had our biggest month ever. October was our highest month in both downloads, subscriptions, comments, everything. We're doing great, and it's all thanks to you. So we appreciate it. Uh, it helps us in the future. So remember, tell all your friends about us. Subscribe. Leave us comments. It all goes a long way, and we just want to say thank you. Remember Encore Golf? They do design the high-performance golf balls for all players, all skill levels, all swing speeds, to get fitted for your perfect golf ball today at EncoreGolf.com. Today we are joined by PGA Tour winner, not one time, not two times, three-time PGA Tour winner, Brendan Todd, including the 2020 Bermuda Championship, Mayakoba Classic. What's amazing about that is, Two tournament wins 15 days apart in 2020, man. That was amazing.
1: It sure was. Uh, you know, obviously that was just one of those peak moments where my game came together and, uh, you know, I put together two awesome tournaments in a row in tropical places, places I love going back. So it's exciting to be back here at the Mayakoba Classic. They're actually now called the Worldwide Technologies Right Mayakoba Classic, so...
0: You know, it's amazing to win. I mean, just to win one PGA Tour event is really a huge accomplishment, but to do it twice in 15 days had to really, truly be something special, Brendan.
1: Yeah, it really was. Um, you know, it was sort of one of those pinch yourself moments where just winning one time is so difficult out here. And, you know, I put together a great week of golf, made a ton of putts, shot 2,400 in Bermuda. And then to go home for a week and celebrate that and come back out all the way down here in Mexico, and do it again and, you know, make more clutch putts to hold off a couple, four great contenders. Actually, I think there was a three or four-way tie for second right. that week. So the up and down I had on 18 was huge. Um, to get two trophies in the span of 15 days, like you said, is uh, truly an accomplishment out here that um, <clears throat> is not done very often. And no. uh, it would be difficult for me to do it again in my career. So something that I'm just uh, cherishing and we'll, you know, will always be proud of for sure.
0: I mean, two tournaments in 15 days puts you in rare air of a guy named Tiger Woods. I mean, that's uh, th- those are things that he did. I mean, it's it really is amazing. And you can probably speak, to. We had Lucas Herbert here on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said his game was trending in the right direction. He goes to Bermuda and wins in, in that crazy weather. And the right. it seems like the wind's always blowing there. Is there, I mean, what's the key to winning there?
1: Yeah, definitely being able to flight your golf ball. There's a, a number of downhill tee shots I can think of one and 10, the par three, eight, the par three, 13, where, and you know, then that awesome hole 16 par three um, on the ocean there that you really have to control the shape of your ball and the flight of your ball and the spin. And that was something I was doing really well in 2019. I'd played very steady that year and the game was coming together uh, when I got to Bermuda And, and I would say Lucas, you know, he's a fantastic player. Somebody I played with at the PGA championship this year at Kiowa. And after I watched him play for two days, I mean, I marked him as somebody who's gonna go on to win a bunch of times on the PGA tour. He's got a lot of power, uh, really shapes the ball well and is a good
0: putter. Yeah, he really is a good player. Super nice guy. He was great here on the podcast Absolutely. as well. But he's been working. He said his game was trending in the right direction. And you know, everybody says that, but then to right. see him go out and win in Bermuda, that is not an easy place to win. And that's why I asked you, because I knew that you would know. Now, you you are obviously, obviously, sitting at the uh, at the Mayacoba Classic there on the golf course. Have you played the golf course already this week?
1: I played 12 holes today and I play uh, the front nine tomorrow. So um, we've gotten a good feel for how the grass is playing, uh, which direction the winds are coming from, speed of the greens. I feel like, uh, you know, it's set up for an awesome tournament this week. We have a great field down here. Probably the best conditions we've seen at the course here for a couple of years. And it uh, looks like a pretty good forecast as well. Looks like the rain might hold off until Sunday. So that would be a positive as well.
0: Brandon, what is it about this golf tournament? Cause you, I know you've won here obviously, but you've also placed here very well a couple of other times when you didn't win. So what is it about this golf course or my Coba, Riviera Maya, what is it about that just works for you?
1: It requires you to hit the ball really straight off the tee. And I think that's what's favored me the last couple of years. You know, it's um, it's hazard basically on each side of the hole. So, you know, if you hit one offline, it could be either a lost ball or a hazard. And so, I think it's uh, you know really important to drive it well. And, um, you know, and then with the winds always blowing around here, you know, being able to shape the ball into the greens and control your flight and your distance, I think, is is really important. So two things I do pretty well is uh, drive it straight and flight my irons. And uh, that's come in handy the last couple of years.
0: I mean, it's, it's always good to go back to a place you've won. Is it does it e- is it easier to win again in a place you've won? Do you feel it's easier? I think it has
1: to be easier to win again, a place you've won for sure. You know, I think you've seen that over the years, guys that win colonial twice, or uh, I think Davis love won Harbor town five times. Um, so I think it's definitely something that's easier to win somewhere multiple times than to pick up, you know, 10 wins at 10 different places.
0: Yeah. You know, there's so much going on on the tour. Obviously we love talking about Bermuda and love talking about the My Coba. And the, I know that w- what we call our golf off season is coming up, but this week, We've seen some news coming out. Greg Norman is is heading up a Saudi back to Asian tour. And 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 we've heard so many different things about this tour and whether it's going to be something that the PGA tour is going to support or they're not. And they're, they're talking about saying if you go play that tour, you can't play our tour. Where do you stand on this tour? Is this something you'd be interested in or are you perfectly happy right where you are?
1: Well, number one, I'd say I'm perfectly happy playing the PGA tour. You know, when I grew up, I grew up, dreaming of playing on the PGA tour, playing all the majors, the players championship, winning the FedEx cup, um, playing Ryder cup and president's cup teams. You know, never once was I like, yeah, I really want to go play some world golf tour where I travel all over the world. uh, Potentially I'm going to be away from my family more. So in that, in that breath, I would say, you know, playing the PGA tour is a dream come true. Now with the formation of maybe um, another tour over there that has some uh, you know, maybe some international events with, with big purses, you know, anytime you can say, all right, if you can tee it up in this event and first place is 5 million last place is 250,000, you know, that's something that's going to draw everybody's attention. And I think as a professional and as a businessman, you have to at least consider it. But, um, you know, I don't know if the, what the PJ tour is going to allow us to do, if they're going to give players releases to go play that tour or not, if there's going to be any penalty for playing it. Um, so I can't really speak right now if to as to if I would play or not, or what the circumstances will be with the PGA tour. What I will say about it is that I'm surprised Greg Norman is willing to, you know, stop running his company. That's a billion dollar company that's done so much for him and um, all the charities that he supports to go run, you know, a tour with Saudi backed money. You know, that really surprised me. Um, I know he's, he has a, a bone to pick with PGA tour from back in the nineties when he was world number one for 331 weeks. And, you know, it was his idea to create a world tour, but for him to go do it now at this point in his life, I feel like is, is a, you know, I wouldn't do it if I was in his shoes. That's all I'd say.
0: Yeah. It seems a little ax to grindish, And that axe is, is pretty old at this point.
1: Right? Exactly. I mean, live your life, be happy. You, you, you're doing really well, but, Right. Yeah, whatever. He's a legend. He can do what he
0: wants. <laughs> you know, some people, no matter how well they're doing, they just can't let that one thing go. And it, this does feel a little revenge-ish. Right. It does sure feel does. that it, it
1: really, it definitely feels revenge
0: No, we're not. And that's the thing is, everybody's got their own thing they want to do. And, and and I get it, but it's just, I know a, a lot of it does come down to money, but there's a lot of money on the PGA Tour. I mean, as, as a guy that's playing on the PGA Tour, it's winning three times, and you're playing a game that you probably one time only dreamed of playing professionally.
1: That's exactly right. You know, growing up playing a bunch of different sports, um, you know, golf being my, my number one passion. And, uh, you know, you you don't know you're going to make it until you make it. And I went to Georgia and played four years of great college golf. And even when you come out of there, there's still still a long climb. So, you know, I think we're all really fortunate to be playing out here on, on such an unbelievably run tour uh, with most events, you know, in America or North America travel is uh, manageable so it's um you know i think we're really fortunate really lucky to be playing out here
0: i mean it really truly is and when trust me we're gonna get into that georgia run and i'm gonna go ahead and be honest with you uh i'm a big gator fan and you guys really took it to us this last weekend and i i I was expecting it but man it got ugly real quick there at the end of the (laughs) second quarter
1: (laughs) well i'd say you hung in there i think it was zero zero in the first quarter wasn't it
0: it was, and then at the end of the with with three minutes to go in the first half, it was three to nothing, and then before I knew it, it was twenty four to nothing. So we, yeah, uh,
1: yeah that, our defense is just nasty, and yeah, they yeah. they showed up there in the second quarter in a big way.
0: Yeah, we're not there yet. Uh, you guys are definitely the gold standard right now. I think you've uh, punched your ticket to Atlanta for the SEC title game, and is is this going to be the year you guys are able to take care of Alabama?
1: I think definitely uh, at least one out of two. You know, So if we have to play them twice, I'm hoping uh, if we only beat them once, it's the last time Right. in exactly. the national title or in the college football playoff. But it does feel like that year for us. It feels like Georgia uh, just has elite skill players, elite depth, uh, much like the Alabama teams we've seen over the years. And, and our defense keeps showing up and getting those uh, those turnovers that, you know, kind of give the offense um, that boost that they need sometimes.
0: It does. I mean, you guys are just playing lights out football this year. You've beat Clemson and granted Clemson's not the Clemson that they were, uh, to open the season, but, but you, you've had some really good wins and, uh, Georgia, I mean, as much as it pains me to say a Georgia football is playing well right now and Kirby smarts putting a hell of a product on the field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kirby, you know, when Kirby showed up, everybody was really fired up and excited. And, uh, I think he's really delivered on the promise that everybody, you know, had for him. And, um, you know, I think we're again—we're really lucky to be in this position. Uh, UGA football is just killing it, and uh, it's one of those years that you know you, you dream, that they've been dreaming of having, and uh, for it to all come together so far, the way it has, um, is really exciting. I think the fan base is is uh, fired up.
0: I mean, Georgia's really having a hell of a year. I don't know if you—I uh, don't know if you knew this or not—but the most golfers from any college to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoff in the same season was this past FedEx cup, 10 guys who played college golf at the university of Georgia qualified for the FedEx cup. That's the most ever. I mean, you have had, I know just on your team alone in 2005, when you guys won the the national title, uh, you Kirk and Kisner Bubba had just gone through there. And then you had Hudson Swafford and Harris English and other guys coming along behind you. It it, it has just been a, it's almost been just a pathway to the PGA tour.
1: It has. Um, you know, Coach Hack, I think, and, and Jim Douglas have a great eye for talent. And, you know, when their teams are deep, when they have five or six great players like they, like we did in 05 and 6 and 7 and then like they did again there in um, 10, 11, 12 and 14, 15, you know, that's when they either win a national title or, or come runner-up, which Coach Hack's been uh, top two, I think, five times in his career, 25 years, which is a pretty good, pretty good effort there. Um, and, yeah, so to see 10 guys in the PGA Tour, Uh, you know, it's really special and and it's something that, you know, we're really enjoying, um, you know, being out here together. And it sort of feels like a little fraternity of of buddies and, you know, we're always saying hi or grabbing dinner or eating lunch together, playing practice rounds, um, which I think is, uh, you know, helps us all. I think think we all feed off one another. I think, and, and as much as that, I think we are competitive with one another. I think, you know, when I see Harris win twice this year, you know, I'm more motivated to practice for this fall and this season and do better. And I know Brian Harmon, you know, is a, a really fiery guy. And, you know, he's, he's working his butt off trying to try and catch up to, you know, some guys who maybe have more wins than them. So, you know, it's, uh, it's it's pretty neat atmosphere out here for the Georgia guys. And we're trying to take advantage of it. Um, I read the article this year that we had nine players in the U.S. Open uh, more than any other school, and I was sitting there thinking, like, what are we doing about this? Like, are we utilizing this, you know, for the benefit of the Georgia golf program? Right. And my answer was kind of no, you know, maybe coach Axe able to use it for recruiting, but at the end of the day, you know, this definitely isn't the best team he's had in a while. So it's kind of felt like it was our turn to give back to the program. You know, there's been a lot of great boosters over the years and the, the tee off club that supports Georgia golf. And we were all really in touch with those guys. when We were in school and felt a lot of support from them. And, um, so I started the dogs on tour birdie challenge, where I asked each guy who's on the PGA tour to donate a dollar amount per birdie, uh, this year. And then, um, we created the website and we opened it up for anybody to go on there and match or, you know, donate as little as a quarter per birdie for any player or any week, any month or the whole season. And, uh, all the money's going to go to Georgia golf men's and women's golf programs, try and you know, keep the facilities up there, you know, um, you know, as good as anybody else, which I'd I'd say we've fallen behind. You know, there's a lot of programs that have built wonderful golf courses and great short game areas and short courses for their teams to practice on, fitness centers and study rooms. And, um, you know, Georgia is, I would say, behind in that category. So the fact that we have 11 guys on the PGA Tour this season, uh, I thought it was a great opportunity for us to band together and try and raise some money for Georgia golf. And, you know, hopefully some of your listeners that are dog fans Will uh, go on there, and maybe pledge a dollar per per birdie for some of the players, or maybe their favorite
0: players. And so, and what is that? Yeah. And what is that website? Uh, Dogs on Tour Birdie Challenge. Dogs on Tour Birdie Challenge. So go on there and yeah. support the. Uh, as much as it pains me as a gator yeah. to say that, go on there and support the Georgia Bulldog Golf Program because it it really is. I mean, it's unbelievable. And Brendan, maybe you can answer this. Do you feel like guys coming out of college now are more prepared to win on the PGA Tour than maybe ever before?
1: There's no doubt. I don't know what it was like in the 70s and 80s. You know, there were obviously some great, great young players back then. Um, but right now, you know, I feel like with the technology that guys practice with in their teenage years, you know, there's coaches have Trackmans and Sam's putt labs and um, K vests and all these different tools to help players learn the right golf swing motion at an earlier age. Um, there's trainers training junior golfers and college golfers more efficiently um, than there ever has. And so I would just say from the standpoint of what kids are learning um, at a younger age now is preparing them. And then when you just look at uh, the data with how the average age of the PGA Tour has gone from maybe 32 to now 27 or eight in the last eight years, um, it's, it's pretty staggering how young the PJ tour is. And I, I think we're seeing, you know, a bunch of young guys win at an early age and that's um, probably just because of the the training they're getting. And then the competition they're having in college golf.
2: Do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today is your lucky day because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at pinned golf. Their brand new ACE range finder is amazing and it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple of weeks now, and I was blown away with the quality. It has a slope technology, pin-locked vibration technology. So you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy. And best of all, it is powered by a USB charge, so you can forget about those little batteries. Every other rangefinder makes you buy. One 45-minute charge lasts you 50-plus hours rounds. I love it. Our friends over at pin golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping. When you use code stripe show, that's code stripe show. I'm telling you for $175, you simply cannot beat the ACE range finder. Head out over to pin golf.com and get yourself the ACE and get dialed in.
0: Yeah. The competition in college golf is hot. I mean, I watch a lot of these tournaments mm-hmm. on, on the golf channel and see everything going on and it's unbelievable, and these kids come right out. Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf—they win in their first year, and they continue to contend. And you see, you know, Morikawa's already got a major under his belt. I mean, or, or, or two. Yes, I mean, two majors. Yes, yeah, two majors <laughs> under his belt already, and he's young. I mean, these right. guys are ready to contend. They don't—they don't have to come in and get their feet wet and, and and wait two or three or four years to win. They're just ready to contend right away. They don't seem scared.
1: No doubt, yeah. I mean, I even saw, uh, Trip Eisenhower on the Golf Channel this morning, just talking about how fearless young players play. And it, let me add one more thing to that. Let's look at technology just in the driver right now. You know, so the thing I always tell people is, okay, why do young guys hit it far? Well, yeah, they're learning better motion, they're getting trained, but they're growing up. They've been swinging a 460 cc driver, and for some of your listeners that maybe not don't know what that means, it's the max size the driver head can be. Right. When the USGA banned um, any driver had over 460, it capped the, the driver at 460, which I believe was 10 or 12 years ago. So now we've been in a wave where every kid has grown up swinging the same size driver and it's never changed. Versus like when I grew up, we were swinging 300cc drivers. We didn't have a track man. It was a little bit more about hitting it accurately. And that doesn't even compare to the guys of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and before They might've grown up playing wooden drivers or small steel headed drivers with maybe a blotted golf ball that spins a lot. So they had a, they had a lot more control to worry about than the kids now. I mean, nowadays if you had a four hundred and sixty CC driver, you can basically go whale on it and it's going to stay between the tree lines. And and I think we're seeing that with Bryson, you know, the technology is so good. He's able to ramp up his swing speed 10 miles an hour in the last year. And he really hasn't lost them any more golf balls. No. So, the fact that he's can gain 10 miles an hour at clubhead speed and keep the golf ball on the course, is probably something you couldn't have done 20, 30, 40 years ago.
0: Right. you know, we're seeing it now with, with, with these guys, who are, everybody's hitting it far. I mean, now if, I remember if you hit it 300 yards, that was a long ways. Now 300 is nothing. I mean, there's guys carrying it three thirty yeah, on, on, on average.
1: It's something for me. I'd love to do it because I'm a short hitter, but, <laughs> but you're right. I think, uh, I think 80 or a hundred guys on tour will average 300 yards this year. You know, and, and 300 used to be sort of the gold standard. Maybe right. the guy who led led the tour was tr- was driving at 300. So it, it's it's truly phenomenal. Um, I do think golf's still in a great place. I don't think there needs to be any changes to that. You know, they, USGA just um, made that the length of the driver can't yeah, be over 20 inches, or 46 yeah. inches. So, yeah, they did what they had to do there, but that's not going to be much of a factor.
0: No, and we had Jason Kokrak on a couple weeks ago, and Jason had was, was pretty... Adamant that he thinks the PGA Tour is setting up courses to be too easy, and that they need to be narrower fairways, higher rough. Do you? Where do you? I mean, do you ever feel like a golf course is too easy?
2: Um,
1: let's just say there's certain setups or certain weeks where, when the rough is up um, and the fairways are cut in, it does feel like a proper test. You know, I, I do really appreciate when when there's um, you know a nice consistent strand of rough you know all the way down the hole and around the greens yeah you know, versus the weeks where you know maybe it's wide open and it doesn't doesn't uh, matter where you drive it but i wouldn't say they're setting it up too easy so much of the conditions has to do with what kind of weather that did that club have that year and what time of year is the tournament being played right. and those two things are sometimes they're, they're totally out of the control of the superintendents and the pga tour uh with each golf course you know, you just you can't play every course at the perfect time of year, right? Because it just doesn't work. And then you can't you don't know what kind of weather you're going to have. It's going to be a good growing season um, for certain places. To have rough,
0: right? And if the wind blows hard, or if it doesn't, if you get rain and then you got to play it up, and there's so many exactly. different uh, variables that, that that come into play. Um, as you tee off this week, what would you say is the biggest difference in your game now and when you were able to win here in Bermuda in 15 days? What what's the biggest difference? that you're experiencing now with your swing and your game?
1: Yeah, I would say for me, it's just more maturity. You know, I feel like um, those two wins provided a lot of stability in my career Mm -hmm. and, you know, the ability to see things from a really appreciative perspective where I love playing out here week in and week out and picking my schedule. And so I feel like I enter every tournament round with a little bit more peace and a little bit more patience than maybe I did back then, which can go two ways. You know, maybe I was fiery that year. And and that's what allowed me to, to shoot 24 under and then 19 under, you know, in back-to-back tournaments. But at the same time, I know that things are going to go, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to battle through whatever, whatever's coming my way and I'm going to have a good week because it's a golf course that sets up well for me. Uh, My games, my games in a good spot. I'm hitting it really solid chipping and putting really
0: well. How difficult is it to win one week and then come back the next week and even contend, let alone win with all the all the extra added things that have come with, with winning a golf tournament and then getting prepared for the next week.
1: Well, I think it's difficult to juggle all the things that come with winning, but at the end of the day, confidence is King. And, um, you know, when you're playing well enough to win, you probably have a lot of confidence. So usually for me, the the times that I've won going to tee it up the next event, you know, was the most confident I've ever felt. Uh, I almost felt invincible in the golf course. Every shot you, you just know you're probably going to hold the putt. So right. you play with a little bit more ease. And so, you know, when I've won, I've played really well. And there's also that old adage that, you know, golfers kind of make 80% of their money and 20% of their week. So if you think about it, if you play well for one month, um, out of the 10 months you play tournament golf, you know, that's 10% of your season. Right. And a lot of times you might just might just string two or three events in a row in a month and, and make uh, at least half your money that year.
0: You know, a lot of times – this is a sport. I saw this the other day. I'm going to actually look it up on my phone real quick. It was a quote, I don't. and I don't know if Brooks actually said this, but it's something that I saw, and it really made a lot of sense when I read it. And it says, golf is full of disappointments. If you win 5% of your tournaments, you're Hall of Famer. There's a lot of disappointment in golf, and you have to get used to it. As, as a tour professional, obviously a win is great. But when you tee it up in an event, Tiger's always said, "You know, I came here to win, and that's all there is." Right. In 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 reality, what's a good week for Brendan Todd?
1: Yeah, I mean, we really are professional failures, right? We, we we win, we lose, you know. way more plus ninety to ninety nine percent of the time, right. So um, a good week for me is a top ten, you know. That's that's and obviously that's sort of the gold standard out here. Maybe maybe some guys would say it's a top five or something, but you know when they when they have the little stats on the PGA tour website, you know, it basically says wins top tens cuts made. Right. And, uh, you know, those guys that have made, you know, 20% of their weeks, top tens, you know, are hall of famers. Um, and you know, Tiger's a guy we were actually looking this up today at lunch. Cause we were just curious. He's won, uh, I want to say 24% of his events yeah, and he's top 10, to 55% of his events, which is just, um, you know, greatest of all time numbers right. right there. And that's, that's probably why he's the best.
0: It really is unbelievable when you look at it. 20, almost 25% win rate. So if he plays four tournaments, he wins one of every four, which that means he's going to win about a major every year. Yeah. So you play 20 events. That's, I mean, it's, it really is unbelievable, but yeah, but winning. So, so, winning isn't, isn't the only way you feel you have a good week. If you have a top 10, you're well, happy.
1: Like to answer your original question. Yeah. Top 10 is a good week for Brendan Todd. Or, you know, maybe you grind out a cut made, but you shoot two sixty sevens on the weekend and climb up to 15th. That's a great week. And you're usually leaving those weeks with really with a lot of confidence and ready to go play well again the next week. I've always said um, I gain so much confidence from playing four rounds in a row, four competitive rounds in a row, sharpens my game better than any amount of practice I can, I can put in at the end. But at the same time, I can't play 30, 35 weeks a year. You know, it doesn't. Doesn't make sense. Body won't hold up. We've got a family at home. So, you know, for me, it's all about picking golf courses that set up well for me that I'm excited to be at um, and keeping that number at, you know, 25 or six events a year or less so that I can show up, you know, and, and compete for those 25 weeks, fresh uh, places. I like to play and, and build momentum that way.
0: Now with the FedEx cup standings, obviously every point is important. So is that something that let's say you're not having your best weekend, you're on a Sunday are you still grinding away every single shot going, Hey, I might need these points at the end of the year to make it to Atlanta. I could end up on the bubble. Is that, is that on your mind early in the season?
1: It sure is. Yeah. We were talking about it in Japan. You know, it's one of those long trips that that some of us made all the way over to Japan. A lot of us got off to a bad start. I think I was 10 over for two rounds and, you know, we're all sitting there at dinner. Like, yeah, but you know, you might get a point and a half for last place, but you might miss Atlanta by a point. So this point matters. And, uh, right. you know, I seven that week to move up to 60 second place, I think, And you know, at the end, the, at the end of the year, the six or eight points I earned that week, you know, might be the difference between, uh, making the first event or the second event or the third event in the FedEx cup.
0: Right. So you are thinking about that early on in the year. Everybody guess, thinks but about I, it late. But I'm 30, I'm 36
1: and right. I've been through two massive slumps. So my perspective is probably much better than a lot of guys. There's plenty of guys who tank plenty of guys who don't have the patience and the discipline to grind out a cut or a 50th place finish, but that's just not me. You know, my nature is to, is to grind and to work hard um, and to be appreciative of what I have. And so, you know, for me, I feel like I'm always grinding out every shot and and every point on the PGA tour.
0: My son actually uh, plays golf trying to play college golf and got a lot of friends that play golf. And I know that you said that you had been through some slumps what is the mental strength that you use to get yourself through? Like I used to hit it really good and now I'm not hitting it good. I want to get back there again.
1: Well, for me, it was just passion for the game. You know, I, I really enjoy golf. I remember during COVID telling my wife a day with golf is better than a day without golf for me. You know, even if it's just going out and practicing for an hour or taking my son to play nine holes, I, I usually just feel happier at the end of the day if I played some golf. Um, so for me, what got me through is just, but it was, there was nothing else I wanted to do, but play on the PGA tour. I, I really enjoy, uh, competing at the highest level. Um, but you know, my last swap lasted three years. I mean, I, I didn't play well at all for three years. I missed a, a lot, a lot of cuts and, uh, you know, was in a really a pretty dark place from a golf standpoint, you know, I'd get out on the tournament and, you know, hit it out of play or, you know, just hit it badly for a day. And
0: would you hit it good at practice during those times?
1: uh, Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had had some good days, but I I wasn't really even playing that great at home against my, you know, my buddies. Um, Sometimes I would, obviously, like I shot some low rounds at home gambling with my friends, but it wasn't, uh, I just really wasn't hitting the ball crisply. Like I had in 2013, 14, 15.
0: And like I have now for the last two years. Right, it's hard. It, it, it's hard to see the light when you when you, when it is so low. You feel like you're never going to. That's what's once so weird about our sport. Speaking from an amateur perspective, and maybe it's the same for you. When you hit it bad, you feel like you're never going to hit it good again. And when you hit it good, you feel like, okay, I figured it out. I'm never going to hit it bad. That's exactly right.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm living proof of that. Uh, and I think we have to have a short memory. You know, you, there's so many shots you have to hit in 18 holes. Right. If you're living and dying by every shot, or or what you did a month ago, uh, you know, it's not going to be very productive for the next shot. Right.
0: As you play this field this week, it's a great field. Got a lot of big names in it. Do you know who you're paired with yet this week?
1: I do. I was paired paired with uh, Pat Perez and Patton Kazire. So three past champions here at the Mycobba Classic. So it should be a, a a great week for us. You know, it's two two really fun guys to play with, um, who are both playing really well as also.
0: Yeah, they are. No, they're no, they're both both great guys. Um. Would you rather play in a field that's got a lot of high, you know, a lot of big official world golf ranking, high ranked players, or do you like the other fields where maybe there's a bit maybe it's, I don't want to say it's easier to win, but it's easier to finish high up the board.
1: Well, anytime you play against the best players is a a good thing. And like you mentioned, the world ranking points, you've got to have the best players show up in order to have a lot of points. So, you know, I prefer to play places where the best players play, but I also prefer to play golf courses i like so for me i just kind of mix and match that and uh i would say i i generally gravitate towards just playing golf courses that i like
0: right that makes sense absolutely because you're gonna have a better chance to (laughs) succeed there
1: you know unless it's the u.s open and even still if I could go back, I might have skipped that event.
0: <laughs> I don't blame you, X. I think a lot of people feel that way.
1: Yeah, that golf course just ate my lunch.
0: Yeah, it's not good. Um, before we let you go, we do a quick thing called Emergency Nine. I'm going to ask you quick nine questions, and you just give me the first thing that comes to your mind, all right? Sounds good. Number one, uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich or McDonald's McRib?
1: Uh, Popeye's chicken. I agree.
0: I'm with you. <laughs> Would you rather drive it long or drive it, straight?
1: drive it straight?
0: Drive it straight. Okay. Okay. You're listening to music on the course, rock, hip hop, or country?
1: Um, country on the golf course.
0: Country on the golf course. I'm with you. Uh, as far as getting in people's pocket, whose pocket have you gotten in the most on the PGA Tour?
1: Probably Chris Kirk just because I play him the most, but I wouldn't say I'm up all okay. that long. We've had some pretty good battles over the years.
0: <laughs> Your favorite player to be paired with on the PGA tour.
1: Favorite player. Um, Adam long.
0: Adam long. Okay. Uh, you're at the hotel up early. You headed to Starbucks. So you can just drink the hotel coffee,
1: hotel coffee.
0: Oh, okay. You're not a coffee stop. That's good.
1: I'm not a snob not with coffee at all.
0: Your uh, social media platform of choice, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or are you into the TikTok challenge. Uh,
1: Instagram. I haven't gotten into TikTok. I don't think that's gonna be a good place for me. I,
0: I don't think that's a good place for either one of us. I'm never on there. <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, are you a phone call guy, or you just just or just shoot you a text? A text is easier. I'm the same way. It's like, but then sometimes you sometimes like there's a lot I want to say. I'm like that's gonna be the longest text ever. But you know what? I'd rather send a text.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. Is it too early to put up your Christmas stuff yet? That seems to be the latest argument. Do we need to wait a little bit? Or one
1: hundred percent too early after this?
0: Thanksgiving and the turkeys get ruled out right after right after uh, Halloween ends. Now, if you go to Lowe's or Home Depot now, it is all Christmas. Really? Yeah, well, it's it's all Christmas. To sales they gotta make their minimums. That's exactly what that is. Well, Brendan, I appreciate it, man. What's your schedule moving forward? Where can we see you?
1: Thanks, Froggy. Great to be on. I'm gonna play the RSM Classic in two weeks in Sea Island, and then uh, after New Year's, I'll play the Sony. Hopefully, Maui. Maybe I can win one of these events and and go to Kapalua for the Tournament Champions, but then I'll play the Sony Open and uh, the American Express Championship in Palm Springs.
0: Nice, and then we'll obviously see you here in Ponte Vedra at the Players' Championship. I know you've had some good rounds there as well.
1: Yes, sir, can't wait. Uh, Probably the best best stop on the PGA tour is the players championship.
0: I do. That's it. You know, I, I love the masters. I, I love what it represents. I love that it's a major, but my personal favorite, I do live seven miles from the golf course, but it is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful golf course. The players is my tournament of choice. I can't wait for, for another season, but Brendan, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, thank you for Thank you for coming on our podcast, man.
1: You got it. Appreciate it.
2: Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary transitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance